Before collectors around the world receive the catalog for the July Hakes auction, Matt and I wanted to take a look back at the June Star Wars special event auction. Part one of our conversation gave us a chance to discuss select items from the first 50 lots. We covered the big ones, ranging from the $236,000 rocket-firing Boba Fett to an $18,000 action figure display header, to a loose double-telescoping Darth Vader, which was graded at a 90 and sold for more than $17,000. Carded figures, box flats, prototypes, international items, one-of-a-kind gems, this auction had something for everyone. Matt, armed with the trusty spreadsheet he creates after each auction, also shared some of the collecting trends gleaned from the data. We saw a dip in overall performance when compared to the results of the March auction. And we saw prototypes continue to underperform, especially compared with production Star Wars pieces. And although the June auction boasted some wonderful and rare Star Wars collectibles, it really felt more like a bonus auction. With the surge in interest around vintage Star Wars memorabilia came soaring, record-breaking prices. And collectors and sellers took advantage of the momentum, and Hakes likely received more submissions than what would normally fit into the large catalog auctions for the year. And thus, Hakes created its first Star Wars special event auction. It focused solely on the Star Wars franchise and on that heavily desirable and beloved era forever locked in our memories, between 1977 and 1985. The first part of the catalog, which focused on figures and collectibles from A New Hope, brought in some pretty notable bids. But how did the rest of the catalog fare? Did the prices of Empire Strikes Back figures continue their ascent toward those of the Twelvebacks? Were Revenge of the Jedi proofs as popular as they were in the March auction? Did Return of the Jedi carded figures with clear bubbles steal the show yet again? Did they even show up this time? And which Power of the Force carded figures seemed to slip from their highs, and which ones surprised? This is part two of a look at the June Hake Star Wars special event auction. This is a conversation with Matt George, Death Valley Explorer, cousin of Wicket W. Warwick, and an aspiring security guard on Cloud City. Oh, and he's also a collector of vintage Star Wars figures and co-author of the book Engineering an Empire. This is what happens when a Chewbacca bot bag sells for $8,700. This is the era of Star Wars vintage madness. And this is Star Wars, Prototypes and Production. Stars. 
Force and become a Jedi like my father. The Force will be with you. Always. Matt George, welcome back for our second part of the Hakes June 2022 auction for Star Wars. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm hanging in there. Um, so we are now looking at the... Really, I mean, we, we went through, I think, the first maybe 30, 40 uh, items uh, in the first part. And in the second part, we're now going to be looking at the latter portion of the Star Wars stuff, uh, the Empire Strikes Back stuff, um, Return of the Jedi, Power of the Force, and then Droids and Ewoks. And so uh, for any of you who haven't seen this catalog, uh, the June 2022 auction held about 200 items that were all Star Wars. It was a Star Wars-focused auction, and there were some really great pieces in here. And uh, and Matt, you had created a spreadsheet to help to kind of tell the story about this this auction, uh, how it how the items performed um, or underperformed, and uh, and just you know kind of helping us to glean some trends from this June auction. So um, so if you could just kind of recap what you saw so far, and then what you you know what you're seeing now after taking a little deeper dive into it. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but just to kind of recap, bring the conversation back to where we were earlier. Um, just comparing it to that March auction, which is really the first time I started to kind of track it at this level of granularity. Um, you know, just the percent of items exceeding low ends of the range and high ends of the range. Um, pretty material difference between the two auctions. So um, I think it's, you know, it stands to reason a lot. The last auction was just so good. There's so many good items, um, quality condition, some items we haven't really seen come up for public auction in a while. Um, so I can understand why that March one was a little bit bigger, but it, you know, it's definitely worth noting that, that um, the, the percentage of items kind of exceeding the high end of the range is about half of what it was uh, back in March. Um, we didn't see that kind of that same level of quality. We also didn't see, um, you know, that last auction had almost one of every character and that character would be like AFA 85 with almost straight 85s or better across the board and subs and, um, a lot of debut card backs and, and, and just quality and card back combinations we haven't seen in a while. And we just didn't have that in this auction. So, um, what we are seeing, I mean, we kind of drill down into 12 backs, 20 backs, 21 backs, things like that, get it into it a little bit more uh, level of detail. We do see uh, quite a, 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 a kind of a bigger drop off than what the averages were, were telling us. So um, I, th- I think that that March auction was full of a bunch of outliers. Um, and then this auction we just got through concluding um, – there's just a lot more uh, kind of run of the mill items and, and, and things that, you know, might not get the, uh, every better off the couch, if that makes sense. I think it does. And, and that's not to say that there weren't great items in this because there were some fantastic items. Um, you know, we've gone through some of them already in the last one we, we talked about, uh, the L slot rocket firing Boba Fett prototype that sold, for a record two hundred thirty-six thousand um, dollars, 
Um, so we've seen some really great pieces, uh, especially these Hakes auctions. They tend to be generally weighted heavier uh, at the top end. You know where we're getting more of the the, the bigger pieces are sort of your Star Wars 1978, 1979 era uh, items, 12 backs and double telescoping figures and uh, certain carded figures like a, like a Boba Fett or a, vi- uh, a vinyl Cape Jawa. But um, the March auction seemed to be really well balanced throughout all of the lines, you know, from, from uh, Star Wars all the way down through uh, the power of the force. And um I think in here, I think we have some great pieces, but we don't have the depth or the breadth uh, that that was in that March one. Yeah, same page. Um, you know, I haven't gone through this thing as vigorously as I did the uh, the March auction. We were talking about it every single day, but um, just tried to break down some of the bigger um, you know, trends that we saw coming out of this auction, and um, you know, breaking it down by prototype and and production and, th- and things like that like we did in in um in the march auction uh, prototypes were noticeably f- uh, kind of farther off the pace than productions were in march this time since we didn't have kind of those hero production items like we did last time just at all price points um you know i think that had a material impact on this one uh, compared to the the previous one, just to give you guys some examples, um, production, just in general, like total in totality, all the production pieces um, looks like they were about fifty percent of their uh, low estimate, fifty percent over their low estimate, and prototypes were about ninety four percent over their low estimate. But that was driven a lot by the um, that rocket fet. If you take that one out, uh, we still are seeing the, the prototypes uh, did perform a little bit better than the production um, when compared to kind of what their estimates were. That, that's okay. That's interesting. I wonder why the prototypes perform better this time. So I I went and took the rocket fed out and I looked at what the um, realized prices were compared to um, where the kind of the ranges were with the buyer premium. It looks like the on average prototypes were about 37% higher than the low end and about 36% lower than the high end of the range production. This is all production all in was about 51% higher than the low end and 25% lower than the high end. So uh, even though the, you know, the production wasn't as uh, good and and solid as, as we saw in March, kind of that trend of production outperforming prototypes looks like it continued on into this one. When you kind of take away that, that one outlier with the fat. Sure. And again, I, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that people who are collecting and when you get into that general range of collectors, they're collecting the pieces that they had as children or that they they knew growing up. And when it comes, if you're not if you're not a prototype minded collector, if that's not your focus, um, unless you see a piece that that really grabs you, 
I, I think a lot of collectors would choose to spend their money on production pieces and to, and to continue the focus that they've started rather than adopting a new one or adding just one piece, one or two pieces in. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I and, think it's also much harder to, to get people to understand prototypes. You know, if, if you're not around it, if you're not in that world, um, I don't know how much interest there is. Yeah, someone, I can't remember who it was. I, I was talking to somebody at Celebration about this, and they had a really good way of articulating it. They said, the more you have to explain what something is, the greater the chance of that piece not performing as well or not having as much interest as, as uh, some piece that's just really intuitive. So if you have to describe what an engineering pilot is or um, what a first shot is and why it looks exactly like a production version, but it's several, several times more expensive, you know, that's not intuitive to kind of the guy that's just getting into it and, and doesn't necessarily understand or, or, care about the history of a piece and really is into it for, you know, either had it as a kid or it's just investment purposes. Um, you know, that, that hasn't really, we haven't really seen that in these auctions. It's, it's more of, okay, this is a graded piece. Um, it's been third party graded. I know I, I, roughly what the condition is. I know what this piece is. Um, that's where you know, a lot of the, the the crazy numbers are coming in and not really as much in the the pieces that might have a more elaborate backstory than than a, a production piece that someone had as a kid. That really is a great point about prototypes. I, I think it seems like two of the best performing prototypes are for the 3D pieces, a, a first shot that's in non-production colors. Right. So we had um, the C-3PO with removable limbs, and I think it was in like a maybe kind of like a uh, an orange color, and Is so it, brown it looked like, with like like a clear limbs, basically, right? Yes. So it looked like the figure that we grew up with, but there is a noticeable color difference. But otherwise, it looks exactly like the figure that we we knew. And then when you on the on the two dimensional side, when you have a proof card. And you're displaying that you can obviously tell that a bubble has never been put on it. It looks very similar to what you had growing up. Um, but instead of saying return of the Jedi, it says revenge of the Jedi. So I think those two seem to do really well. I mm-hmm. think when you get into things like hard copies, uh, even chromolins and, and, and proof sheets, um, you know, and, and just, uh, especially things like, as you said, EPs, uh, engineering pilots. And, and, uh, we saw that, I think we saw that either in the last auction or the one before it, uh, there was a sand crawler and it was an engineering pilot and it came with a white box instead, but the, but it wasn't graded. Uh, I don't think it was graded and, and the way that it, it looked, it was, I think somewhat confusing to your average bidder or collector. Yeah, that all makes total sense to me. And we're seeing the numbers bear it out. I mean, it's, uh, you know, directionally similar to what we saw the last time. So, um, you know, I don't know if, uh, if Hakes have some more high profile prototype pieces that, you know, there aren't a rocket fet, 
I would hope that they would do maybe some more educational videos or bring on some experts that could talk about it um, and then put a link to that conversation on the bidding page on Hakes. Um, so not only is it there for the auction, but if someone is doing research on down the line, um, you know, they can link they, that, that link will always be there. They're just doing a search for making it up, but Luke Skywalker first shot. It would be helpful to have a video outlining exactly what a first shot is, why Luke's first shot is so important, and you know, educate the the Star Wars fans, not just you know, facilitate bidding and making money. I think it'd be mm-hmm. an, a very good opportunity for for them to kind of set themselves apart in kind of the educational aspect of of the hobby, because you know, the toy part of the collectibles world is so far underdeveloped compared to other areas in it. Um, and so we are getting more new folks into the, into the hobby than we've ever had. Um, so a way to teach these guys and gals what to look for and why things are priced historically the way they are, I think would add a lot of context to the process that I think is needing it right now. And education leads to appreciation, so uh, appreciation of the item and the history, not appreciation as far as value, but I guess it could as well. Um, so having said all of that, let's dive into the rest of the catalog. Um, we are at uh, lot number 52 right now. Uh, I think it's a great one to start on. It's one that we've had many conversations about over the past year or so, uh, one that's been very popular. And it is the Boba Fett 21B. Uh, it's, a, it's a carded Boba Fett. It's graded at an 85+, plus, which is an outstanding grade for a Star Wars carded Boba Fett figure. And this one sold for $24,272. Yeah, whoever's buying that's going to be uh, dining on Hamburger Helper the next uh, several weeks. That, that went for a pretty penny. Um, but, you know, again, we talked about it earlier, FET, the FET tax is real. Uh, here's another instance. Um, yeah, these things continue to just perform incredibly well. Uh, this was, you know, right in the middle of the range, twenty to 35000 It hammered at $24,273. Um, and it's the 21 back B. So it's not the A, which is the the hard the hardest of the three to find. Um but it's 85 plus uh, just solid piece all around and just continues to see, you know, it's an, it's another instance of, you know, we talked about the vinyl cave Java earlier on the card. This is another one that's to me like parallel with that one in terms of popularity. There was a 21 B that sold at the March auction and it was graded in 85 uh, with the subgrades being the, the card was an 80 and the figure and bubble were 85s. It was a really nice piece. It sold for $29,983. Comparing the two of them, the one that sold in the June one and the one that sold in the March one, the 85 plus to me really stands out. It is, mm-hmm. um, you know, it. we always talk about, you know, the making sure the blister is, um, is, is tightly sealed and that the, uh, the weapon is, you know, full, uh, firmly attached, and all these little pieces, and you know that one just really stands out. 
um, what's surprising, and you mentioned this uh, just now, is these have been selling for more money than the A's. We've seen a few 21A's come in. Um, most of the time, the condition is not up to where the B's have been. We've seen, you know, uh, with these two examples, um, they're both in the 85 range, whereas I think some of the A's that we've seen have been more in the, in the 70 or 75 range. Mm-hmm. Um, there were three A's that sold since 2017 at Hakes, and um, and yet we haven't seen a high grade, you know, one that's at that 85 level hit yet. Um, Matt, if if a 21B is going at an 85 plus is selling for 24,000, what do you think a 21A, which is much rarer, uh, at the same grade, what do you think that would sell for? Um. 21A85 plus, I would say somewhere between 30 and 35,000. Okay, yeah, I think that's, that's fair. Yeah, I, I see that the, an AFA85 plus Boba Fett, A or B, whatever, like to me, it's like that's, that's in the 20 to 35,000 range. Like, totally agree with that. The, the B, is probably right in the middle of that range, whereas the A is probably on the kind of the higher side of that range. Now, this one did sell for about five thousand dollars less than the the one in March. Ignoring the sales of the rocket firing Boba Fett, because that one is is always going to be popular. But I'm wondering if we're seeing a little bit of a, a regression in interest and in prices for. Boba Fett items, maybe based on the underperformance of the uh, the show, the Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, maybe. I, I I don't know though. I think we'll have to see. Like, kind of let time tell us that because, um, you know, we thought that the March auction would be negatively affecting the performance of the Fed items, and that just wasn't the case. So. You know, even farther removed from it. Um, I don't know if that show is really like. I, I don't think it'll um, have any more of a negative impact on it. I think the, the impact that show had is already, um, I guess, kind of baked in. Okay, it's just this eighty-five plus. I mean, I, I really expected this to go. You know, compared to what the 85 did, I just expected mm-hmm. it to go for more. Um, speaking of Book of Boba Fett, Ming-Na Wen was born two days before Kennedy was assassinated. That's an amazing fact. Yeah. She still looks fantastic. She looks There's absolutely no way. fantastic. There's no way. Surely you fact-checked that. I did. Unbelievable. It's another reason to listen to this podcast. So jumping into the next one now, this is lot 54. Uh, this is the first time we're seeing this figure for sale at a Hakes auction. It is a loose Tuscan Raider, uh, and it's the Hollow Cheeks variant. So I believe we've had some carded variants before, at least one, but we've never had, uh, they've never tried selling a loose one. And I think the premier auction seemed to be a spot where Hakes was maybe testing the waters with some of the variant figures, uh, the loose variant figures. So this one was graded in 85, uh, and it sold for $746. Now, Matt, a, 
a 90 sold on eBay in May. What do you think the final price was for that one? eBay in May. Um, God, there's no telling. I'm going to go 2500 1500 Hmm. Strong to quite strong. Absolutely. Lot 57 was a loose bagged blue snaggletooth uh, graded at an 85. And this one was kind of unique in which uh, it was not packaged with a weapon. The bag mm. was still sealed, so it wasn't like the weapon fell out or it was taken out. Um, and again, blue snaggletooths are they're, they're sort of that especially for the loose figures, but also just, you know, in general, they're, they're sort of those prestige pieces now, right? And, um, and this one sold for $3,829. So we had one sell for 3800 and something dollars before, right? It was also an 85? Yes. That's another case of hit me, baby, one more time. Another 3800 Is that like what they are now? I think as far as Hakes, yes. Um, within the community, I don't know. You know, I think we're sort of at that maybe that around two or three thousand, um, mm. which is still insane for a loose blue snaggletooth. Um, it is. But thirty eight hundred, that's a, that I mean that's twice in a row. That's a I mean that's a trend though, like Oh, yeah, and this has been happening, I think, for even longer than that. Yeah, it just um, blows my mind how that piece is a $4,000 piece. Right, and, and I feel like if you're either just starting out or if you're a collector, and again, a more general collector, um, there are certain pieces that you're checking off of your list. And, you know, one is a carded vinyl cape Jawa. Another one is uh, a carded Boba Fett. And then with the – because – you really couldn't buy a carded blue snaggletooth. Uh, people are buying bagged ones or loose ones graded at that that 85. It is very tough to get one at an 85 only because there's um, there's so much that can go wrong with it, you know, with paint loss and everything. So um, it brings me to uh, our first game, uh, and that is uh, which one sold for more? A loose bagged blue snaggletooth with no weapon at an AFA 85. Or a first shot blue snaggletooth graded at an AFA 60. And a first shot is a prototype. I'm going to go with the one you would suspect the least, the production figure. It was very close. The first shot actually sold for more, but it only sold for $4,153 in the last auction. Mm. Interesting. So... Yeah, I mean, we, we don't normally see that, and I, I know there's a difference in in um, condition. But when you're talking about prototypes versus production items, mm. um, a lot of times, you know, with them being so rare, where um, even though this blue snaggletooth is is more common when it comes to first shots, uh, it is only one of a handful. Yeah, it might be the most common first shot, or one of them at least. Um, and it's, you know, one of the most uncommon production figures. So kind of a unique use case there, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, definitely strange to see. Number lot number 62 is a loose Lily Letty Boba Fett with a removable rocket 
and it's graded uh, an AFA 80 plus, and it sold for a whopping $14,278. It's interesting. This one had a range between 20 and 35,000, which now I don't follow this market nearly as close as I do the U S market. So I don't know if that is accurate or not, or if it was uh, appropriate or not, but it just seemed high to me. Um, so yeah, it, you know, it hammered at 12, one with the buyer premium 14, three, um, but still, you know, well below that, uh, the opening of the range. Uh, from the Hicks listing, it says, This highly sought-after Mexican variety features a removable but not able-to-be-fired rocket that was not sonically welded in place, instead relying on a small fin of the rocket to lock it in place within the backpack. This was quickly revised, resulting in a much scarcer sampling of this coveted figure, encased with blaster and removable rocket, AFA-graded 80+. plus. Um... I was trying to figure out whether this was actually a true variant or if it was just a factory error. Um, and so, you know, just trying to kind of sift through all of the scuttlebutt and just getting to, to you know, people who are really knowledgeable about it, um, it's really difficult to say. And I'm, I'm assuming if AFA is, is grading them, um, you know, they are able to tell a difference. Um, some some collectors have, have even drawn charts of, of the backpack to show you know, the, the size of the opening makes a difference. Um, the Lily Letty Boba Fett figure is actually a darker blue-gray than its Kenner counterpart, uh, which I thought was interesting. And, and um, you know, we've seen, like, the, the lighter blue versions for the Palatoy ones. And then now, you know, with the Lily Letty, they're, they're kind of that darker blue-gray, and, and they're really beautiful. But um, to me, this just it really seems more like a factory error. Uh, and, and it sounded like they had created them, but didn't have the, the rocket in time. And then were able to add in the rockets, I believe after they were sonically welded or, or, uh, or during the, the process. And that's why some of them have the removable rocket. Oh, interesting. I never knew that. Um, yeah, when it comes to foreign to the U.S. or or pre-production, there's almost like a whole different language that you need to be uh, boned up on in order to understand kind of what some of these items are. I don't know if you remember the uh, authorian from Book of Boba Fett who had the translator on his mouth. Basically, like he would just say something, would spit it out in English or Arabic or whatever the common tongue is. But uh, we almost need something like that for the uh, – for these foreign to the U S and prototypes where um, we can just easily just have a reference point for like anything you would ever want to know about Lily Letty rocket fat, like boom, boom, boom. Here's everything. Here's all the, the minutia. Here's how much, like, here's why the, it was removal rocket in the first place. Like um, it would be very handy to kind of be able to translate all the stories and, and, um, uh, anecdotes in kind of one central spot. And I'm going to harken back to my idea about, I wish they would do this stuff on the actual pages on Hakes and just assemble all of this info together in one spot. 
Yeah, and there are certainly enough collectors that are really knowledgeable about this stuff. And and I think if you're selling something, the more that you can convey to somebody or can explain to them, the more comfortable they are, and actually the more money they'll they'll end up spending. Right? I know if I if I'm hunting a prototype and I don't have to question the provenance of it, if it's already graded or if it's coming from a really solid source, and I really want it, I'm going to spend more. You know, whereas I might be hesitant or might not want to put that much money out on something because I don't fully understand either where it came from or what its purpose is or or history. Yeah, very well said. Mm. Totally agree. Okay, so this one we talked about in the first episode. Um, This one had my head spinning like Yariel Poof. Uh, This is lot number 78, and it's the Chewbacca inflatable bot bag graded at an AFA 75 the as we talked about again the original estimate was 400 to 700 dollars Matt do you know what this sold for I mean I I pride myself on trying to stay on on an even keel or an even peel if you will um but when I saw this I I had anecdotally heard about it before I saw what it hammered at um and I I, I was just shocked like I, as someone who's tried to put a full run of box items together, I know how how much harder the chewy is than some of the other bot bags. But orders of magnitude different from where we thought it would end up to where it actually hammered. Like this piece is just this is like again your your Tuscan Raider analogy from the last auction. Uh, that's that's this one from this auction. That's and yet I don't even think it fits into it. But, but yeah, the- it, it's such a rag on a 12, a Tuscan Raider. Like I, I get it. Like it, it had like a lighter color of red on the, on the paint and right. Uh, which is a first release and uh, straight 85s. I think too, like it was, it's, if you're hunting that variant, it is a premier piece. And I get that people would go there. It was, you know, obviously more than one person with this. I mean, I even did some research just to see if this was a different color or if it was possibly a prototype. Um, as I mentioned in the last episode, the listing is missing a photo of the AFA label. So, you know, with that, not, not having that, um, I thought that that would actually have hurt the sale. Um, but again, there was more than one person going all in on a Chewbacca inflatable bot bag, $8,709. So I, this one clearly tops the Tuscan Raider. I mean, th- this is the the biggest head scratcher, um, you know. Yeah, this is by far the most inexplicable Star Wars toy item I've ever seen sell. Ever, like I can't think of another one like this. It's twelve hundred percent higher than the high end of its range. <laughs> All I kept thinking about is somebody. Who whoever submitted you know these pieces in for this particular auction, um, I just pictured a person saying, you know what, I, I have this bot bag and I'll just I'll just throw that in and having it be one of the bigger performing pieces in the entire auction. Yeah, I, I mean, kudos to whoever sold it for that. Like, congratulations, because I don't ever think a chewy bot bag will sell for that much money ever. <laughs> This is a lot of money. 
All right, now we're crossing into Empire Strikes Back territory, and with Lot 85, uh, I believe we spoke about this one pretty briefly in the last episode, but this is the Meccano uh, Boba Fett 18-back figure, so it's a carded figure. It's graded at a low AFA 40, um, which you know happens a lot of times when you have these, these international pieces. Um, it, finding them in top condition is uh, almost next to impossible. And uh, and this one sold for fourteen thousand one hundred sixty dollars. This was the first Meccano Boba Fett uh, ever offered at Hakes. Mm. It's gorgeous, man. Absolutely, gorgeous. I love these. Um, I don't know how many times I've thought about starting a run of these, and it, this is always the piece that prevents me from getting started on it. I just like the way they look, and this one is, uh, I mean, the, the grade's almost irrelevant. These are just so hard to find. I, I honestly thought this would go for over the high end of the estimate. So I, whoever got this, to me, got a good deal. Yeah, and it's on a square card back, uh, and to me it just, it's one of those card backs that, is it's just utterly iconic. It looks perfect. Uh, the, as you said, I mean, the, the the gray doesn't matter. It displays beautifully. Um, you know, they it was graded with the railing around the bubble so that uh, it couldn't experience any further damage to it. Um, and yeah, I mean, Boba Fett. For some reason, in this one, and maybe because it's the square card, you know, where we're used to seeing the rectangular card. But uh, Boba Fett, I mean, he just. He's sitting in that bubble. He just looks like Pote Sinkin to me, uh, you know, just kind of massive. And and uh, but the image is beautiful. Um, you know, it's it's the fireball image of, of him shooting the fireball from that that we see on on the Kenner cardbacks as well too. And uh, really, yeah, whoever got this, I mean, congratulations because it is it's just it's a gorgeous and a rare rare piece. Yeah, I would much rather have this for whatever fourteen thousand than. And a 21B85 for whatever, 24,000. That's just me. I but, agree. You know, I there's something about that square card that you don't find it anywhere else. And with that character, uh, I don't know. I just, and they rarely pop up too. So I figured this one would, uh, would go for a lot more. And speaking of rarely popping up to lot 86, um, I, I think this one in some ways went under the radar as far as collector discussions. Um, so this is an Empire Strikes Back 21 back Stormtrooper graded at an AFA 80 plus, and it sold for $9,994. Um, from Hake's listing, it says here it was uh, AFA graded 80 plus. Um, the subgrades are 80, 85, and 80, meaning that the card and the figure were an 80 and the bubble's an 85. Um, it There are less than five AFA-graded examples according to the current AFA population report. So out of that less than five, Hakes has sold two of them. Um, it's And it was actually... well, <laughs> Hakes has sold... One of them twice. That's really what it is. So, so mm. the twenty-one back stormtrooper has appeared twice since twenty seventeen, uh, really since twenty nineteen, 
And um, it came from the same seller, from the collection of the same seller twice. Um, I believe his name is Jake Rapinitis. Rapinitis. Um, and so he sold it from, from Jake's collection in 2019 at Hakes, and it sold for $2,478. And then a year later, it sold again from his collection. Uh, and that, that's what they, that's what they list when, when it's, um, when it comes from a particular seller who wants their name to be public. Um, it, it says it in the Hicks listing. So it sold in 2019 for $2,478. And then in 2020, it sold for $1,770. So, which led me to believe one of two things, Matt, and maybe you know better than I do. Um, either it sold and then the, the buyer did not pay. Um, and then they put it back in the 2020 auction where it was relisted or the only thing I could assume was that it sold and it either went to the guy, maybe using a different alias. Um, maybe Matt Daly. I don't know who Matt Daly is. Someone out there is laughing. Okay. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and maybe, Maybe or or maybe somebody else bought it and then he bought it back from them and then put it back in the Hakes auction. Um, so I'm figuring it's it's one of one of two, right? Yeah, if that first scenario where someone won it and just didn't pay, they've got to be kicking themselves now. If they bought it for under two grand and now it's going for well, no. So that was um, I'm sorry. Let me clarify too. So there, Hakes has sold two of them. And they've sold three times. So we mm-hmm. have the one that happened in um, in 2019 and 2020, which was the same one that was graded in AFA 70. And then this one that sold in the June auction was an AFA 80 plus. Oh, I got you. So I the AFA you. 70 originally belonged to Jake. It was from his collection, and then it sold in 2019 for 2470 78, and then was sold in the 2020 one for $1,770. I got you. Okay. That makes sense. Does it? Does it really? Because <laughs> it doesn't to me. I am well, baffled by it. 70 was two grand. I was, I was thinking that this piece had changed hands all those times. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. I got you. Okay. So that makes that makes more sense. Then. Mm-hmm. Um. But my God, this has got to be a record for a a twenty one back that's not fat, right? I would believe so. And you know, I know the stormtrooper is thought to be the rarest one uh, of the twenty one backs. I, I believe it's the tw- the the stormtrooper and the Jawa that are the toughest to get. And yeah. I, I, you know, I've always from what I've from what I've heard from speaking to other collectors. Um, the stormtrooper is really the the key piece, and it, it's actually the piece that keeps a lot of people from pursuing collecting a full run of twenty one backs. Yeah, if you can get uh, the two Luke's, the stormtrooper and the Jawa, I mean, you're and the Vader's somewhat rough, but like. Outside of uh, a couple, it's a pretty easy run to get. It's a cool run too. I, I've always liked the way that that card back looks. So, 
I would I would be terrified though. I mean, I would just if I if I own that one, you know, to get that again a, a twenty one back and pay that sort of money, I would have it. Like it wouldn't even be in my collection. It would be in its own little bassinet, just covered, you know, with pillows all around. And <laughs> yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from. I figured you would. Uh, so uh, and. Speaking of high dollar Empire Strikes Back pieces, um, what started in March uh, has continued, and we are at one that I would say uh, I, I do have a question about, again, as far as condition. Um, so this is the Empire Strikes Back 31 back B, I believe, uh, Luke Bespin figure. Um, and this is this is the only version of Luke Bespin that comes with this card back, where it's a white background and it has Luke and his Bespin fatigues um, walking. You know, it's almost a full shot of him. And then when they, when Kenner moved and transitioned into the 32 backs, they went toward one that had a blue background that was uh, closer up of his face. And um, and they they used the the walking image at the time because that was all that they had um, before the film started, or, or at least the best quality uh, example of Luke at the time. Um, so this one. Is graded AFA ninety. It sold for seven thousand six hundred seventy dollars. Uh, in the Hakes listing, it says the AFA subgrades are the card back is an eighty five, and then the bubble and figure are a ninety. Mm-hmm. Very very hard to get this figure in in that kind of condition. Um, mm-hmm. And then it says none higher according to the current AFA population report. Matt, you and I took a look at this figure. We did. What do you think? the uh, accessories and the taping um there's your issue like it's it's not really a 90 anymore um it becomes uh what an 85 probably um well so the, the figure grade automatically becomes an 80 which makes the whole the the subgrades the card back would be an 85 the bubble would be a 90 and the figure would drop down from a 90 to an 80 resulting in an overall 85 plus at the very highest worst case scenario it's an 80 plus best case scenario 85 plus um which is fantastic yeah, and it displays yeah. beautifully Great. but Nothing wrong with it but not no. for 8 grand right cuz you know i would assume i think i think an 85 and i i, I can't remember if I think we had an 85 sell in the last one, and I thought it was somewhere around maybe 4,000. Yeah, this is definitely a popular figure for sure. And again, like we talk about uh, 21 back fat, like that's the biggest problem with those is the gun tape coming off. Eventually, all of the fat gun tapes are going to come off. Like that's just, they're that uh, notoriously loose. Right. Um, and when you're dealing with a Luke Bespin where you have two accessories, yeah. one of them generally comes loose. Uh, the 85 that sold in the last auction sold for $4,900. So there's a substantial difference here, but as far as the grade, there isn't. Right. And I believe I believe there was a 90 that sold on eBay earlier this year, and it sold for $9,000. Hmm. Super popular character. Mm-hmm. And and again, it displays beautifully. Uh, another one that 
is just gorgeous. And I was I was really shocked by the price of this. Um, was is lot number eighty nine, and it's the Empire Strikes Back thirty one back Leia Bespin figure, graded at an eighty five, unpunched. Uh, just you know, fantastic subgrades. It looks gorgeous. Um, it's it's a it's a premier piece, and it sold for six thousand one hundred seventy dollars. Hmm. Wow. I bought mine a few years ago for one hundred eighty nine dollars. Uh, uh, not graded, but when I had a grade, it came out in eighty five. I never thought that they'd get into the thousands like this. I don't know, man. We we live in bizarre times. That's not uh, Chewy Bop Bag crazy, but... No, it is certainly not Chewy Bop Bag crazy. Um, continuing that to a degree, we have uh, lot number 97. This is the Empire Strikes Back 48B Leia Hoth figure, and this one is graded a 90. Um, so we do have... There are a few uh, carded examples in here that are really high-quality ones, and and this one sold for $4,079. Hmm. Um the 48 B's can be pretty tough. There are a handful of collectors who, who are aggressively chasing them. And you can always tell that they're 48 B's because they have the, um, the sticker on the, on the back of the card. And then, uh, the circular sticker on the front of the card with the Admiral Akbar offer. Princess Leia Hoth. Um, I don't know. For whatever reason, I see a lot of the, even on Empire cards, I see a lot of the Leia's with a, a yellow bubble. This one, I don't think had a yellow bubble too. So had a lot going for it. Yeah. These are great pieces. Um, and, and those were really, to me, those were the three highlights from the Empire Strikes Back grouping of carded figures that were offered for this auction. Hmm. Um, rounding out the Empire Strikes Back section, uh, Matt, you and I talked about this one before, but um, if you just want to reiterate, you know, what you said about, um, the empire strikes back Chewbacca unproduced box flat, which was at lot number 100 and sold for $5,900. Yeah. This was one that was, uh, I mean, <laughs> Chewy Bob bag AFA 75 or unproduced box flat. Uh, clearly <laughs> the bot bag is going to be several thousands of dollars more. Of course. Uh, no, but on this one, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I had a range of ten to twenty k. Uh, it had one bid. There was only one person that bid on this, and it hit the minimum bid five thousand. Um, yeah, it just blows my mind. I mean, Chewbacca is a very popular character. Twelve back or twelve inch figures. You know, we talked about last time how well twelve inch has done over the last couple of years, and you know, add unproduced AFA 80 to it and you can get one bid. Something's, something's missing here. They, they just, uh, they didn't do enough with this piece. No. And I, I think, you know, as we said last time, um, Hakes did not include the word unproduced, uh, or, or anything to signify that. So I think, you know, their listing was just uh Chewbacca box flat. I, and, and can they say unproduced though? Since I, some have showed up in retail stores, right? I think for the one Chewbacca figures, found, yeah. I think they have been at retail, so I don't know if you can call that unproduced. I mean, I think there's one. That, I think there's one on eBay right now that's an AFA thirty. That's um, it's been up there for a while, but maybe that's the reason they didn't call it unproduced. I don't know. Okay, 
Okay, no, that that makes sense then. I mean, from from everything I've seen, uh, you know, they've they've never been included really with anything. Uh, I, I would almost liken it, I guess, in a way to the um, the Empire Strikes Back action figure display stand, where mm. maybe some of them popped up at retail, but they weren't really they were never really sold fully publicly. Yeah, so we really. I mean, if there are more than a handful, I think I would be. Just, Totally shocked. Yeah. I've seen more than one. Um, but, you know, again, I, maybe those came from the morgue. I don't know. But I, I want to say one showed up one time with a retail price sticker on it. Um, but anyway, if anyone mm-hmm. has any info on it, drop me an email, mattgeorge512 at gmail.com. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Here, so this is from uh, the SWCA. Although the large Chewbacca action figure was produced in Star Wars packaging, the Empire Strikes Back box version of the toy was never available commercially. Kenner made ESB versions of all the doll boxes, but only Boba Fett and IG-88 ever made it to store shelves. And that's um, that's a listing by by Gus Lopez. Yeah, I uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain they like some appeared at a store at some point. Um, I know that the Vader went into production overseas and was available in, I want to say Australia. All right. And now we're going to move into the return of the Jedi segment of the auction. Um, so I'll bring this up just very quickly. We don't have to spend much time on this one, but, um, lot number four, lot number one, four, six, um, it's the return of the Jedi battle damaged X wing. So it's sold for. Two thousand three hundred sixty dollars, and I was a little confused because I remember that there was a battle damaged X wing that sold for ten thousand three hundred eighty four dollars in the last auction. Mm-hmm. I went back and I checked, and that one was an Empire Strikes Back one. This one was a Return of the Jedi, and the AFA label was marked as Empire Strikes Back. It was a uh, it was an error on the label, but uh, but it, but so so there is. If you're if you're looking for uh, a battle damaged X wing and you don't care what movie it's from, uh, you'll probably do a lot better getting one from Return of the Jedi than Empire Strikes Back. Huh. Yeah, and they had the I think they had this valued wrong at five to ten thousand, but um, again, I th- looks like this only had a couple bidders, so it looks like it wasn't too terribly popular. No, and, and I, I think the, um, you know, I think the confusion from from estimating it, you know, bet- to sell between five and ten thousand could have been from the fact that it it was mislabeled as an Empire Strikes Back um, piece when it was actually a Return of the Jedi one, and uh, and and maybe there's much less interest, or maybe it's maybe they're more common and the Empire ones are just tougher to get, especially sealed. So. So I have just a few pieces here from Return of the Jedi that I wanted to bring up with you because uh, I, you know, we've we've spoken a, a lot about them in the last auction. Um, item one twenty seven, it's Return of the Jedi Admiral Akbar sixty five A, and it's graded at an eighty five Y, which means it has a yellow bubble. Matt, what do you think it sold for? One dollar. Close. Um, one thousand fifty dollars. Uh, that's actually closer. Uh, yes, one thousand 
Nice. Yeah, I was I was kind of surprised because I think, you know, this was sort of the 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 range or the territory that we started to see for clear bubble figures. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this one is yellow and in substantially yellow, uh, I was just wondering what you thought of it, you know, at, at that price. Clearly this was influenced by the last auction. Um yeah. I mean, I can't believe we live in a world now with with a thirteen hundred dollar Admiral Akbar yellow bubble. Luke Skywalker Jedi Knight seventy seven A, AFA eighty yellow. Yeah, so that that, that is lot one thirty one. So I don't know if I could get a Luke Skywalker that's an AFA eighty for. $772 and a general or uh, Admiral Akbar at almost twice that. Like that to <laughs> me, just that doesn't make much sense. And the Luke Skywalker Jedi Knight figure, um, as someone who collects them, I can tell you that it seems like the most common one to find is a 77A that they just produce them by the boatload. Um, so, you know, as you said, $778 for, for an 80 with a yellow bubble, a pretty common carded figure. Very desirable, but but pretty common carded figure. Yeah, that one shocked me. Yeah, especially compared to this uh, Akbar. Anyway, I that Akbar is – we talked about how crazy it was the last one, but we could somewhat buy it because of the clear bubble factor. But here, I mean, this the thing isn't really just – kind of yellow you know that's a it's a yellow bubble so craziness um what do you think sold for more money in empire strikes back this is lot number 91 empire strikes back dengar a 41 a back so that's the debut card uh graded at an 80 plus with a clear bubble or the admiral akbar and the uh, the Luke Jedi with the yellow bubbles. So what those two Return of the Jedi ones or the Dengar 41A? Mm. Uh, I'm going to go they were sold for the same amount. Yeah, uh, you, you're, you're yeah. right. Um, pretty much. I mean, I uh, haven't done the, the full math, but yes. So the, the Dengar sold for $1,888. Yeah. yeah, pretty incredible. And then the other, the only other one I really wanted to point out, and I thought this was interesting, um, you had the Emperor's Royal Guard figure, and there were two of them that were offered in this auction, uh, actually in between the Admiral Akbar and the Luke Skywalker. So these are lots, 128, 129. Uh, the first one was a 77 back A, and it was graded at a 75, and it had a yellow bubble. And that one sold for $778. And then the one underneath it was the 65 back C. So that has the Emperor offer on, on the, on the uh, bottom right-hand corner of it. It's also graded a 75, but it had a clear bubble. They rarely come up. Matt, do you remember what the, um, the clear bubble, I think it was an 85 uh, Emperor's Royal Guard sold for in the March auction? Uh, God, what was that, almost two grand? I thought it was like twenty five hundred. Was it over two grand? 
Yeah. And so this yellow bubble 77 back A sold for 778 and this clear bubble 65C sold for 591. What? Which to me just seemed like one of the few steals or one of yeah, the few absolutely. kind of Yeah. Um so the Emperor's Royal Guard 77 AFA 75 it sold for more than the Luke 77 80 it, which was shocking as well, too, because if I remember correctly, there was not uh, a Luke Jedi on a Kenner domestic card in this last Hakes auction. Hmm. And Luke Jedi is one of those, you know, one of those big pieces. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, I think people, collectors of all levels are looking to add a Luke Jedi, especially, you know, if they're a Return of the Jedi fan, because I think he's one of the key characters. Well, from that line. I mean, the Mandalorian, he's wearing the exact same outfit. Oh, that's true, you know, too. Like, yeah. As soon as whenever that episode came out, the the uh, Luke Jedi market seemed to take off with it. Um, so it's, I don't know. That was just odd seeing an 80 of that character less than a 75 of Emperor's Royal Guard on the same back, 77. Weird. Yeah, I, I, think, I think I'd be less shocked if that Luke sold for three times its value uh, than, you know, than seeing something like a clear bubble Emperor's Royal Guard sell for less than the yellow one that preceded it. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. All right, let's just jump back for a second because there were, there were a, it's a really nice grouping of uh, Revenge of the Jedi proof cards. So these are lots 110 all the way to 118. Um, it's, we have a, a Yoda, C-3PO, Han Solo, Hoth, Imperial Commander, uh, Adat Driver, or AT-AT Driver, however you want to pronounce it, Stormtrooper, a Jawa, a Walrus Man, and a 2-1-B proof card. Most of them are in you know, good condition. Most of them are 85, 80. Um, let's say there's nine total. They sold for... About thirty-five thousand dollars total. So on average, about thirty-nine hundred dollars, just shy of four thousand dollars a piece. And these are fairly common ones. Um, but yeah, you could tell like revenge proofs. There's some significant interest in these. Um, these kind of uh, this and the rocket fet seem to be impervious to the. I don't know the 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 uh the prototype being not as good as production on hakes uh, again i think it's because you can see that there's an error like uh, something different from production got the wrong title on it so um i wanted to call these out because the fact that some of these are going for three grand is blowing my mind i mean imperial commander afa 80 for twenty seven hundred dollars I mean, celebration Chicago. Those were going for seven fifty. That was three <laughs> in twenty nineteen. Yeah. yeah. Um. So anyway, this is another auction where these have performed disproportionately better than than other items. Was there anyone in particular that stood out to you? Because I I think for me the the Yoda was maybe the most interesting because it it sold for thirty two hundred dollars. 
Uh, and I think that was largely in part to its grade. It had a, it received a 70 plus. So the condition was not fantastic on it. It's a heavily desirable character. And I think if it was something like an 85, I think it would have sold for maybe double or triple the price. Yeah, you can go on eBay right now. There's a 3PO Revenge Proof AFA 85 plus for $4,250. Which is certainly cheaper than... <laughs> then the 5200 you can get the exact same item for uh at this auction. Right. Were you shocked at all so the the highest selling one was the um the Han Solo in Hoth Battle Gear proof card graded N85 um lot number 112 and it sold for 73 almost $7400. Yeah, key character I, it's that one's no I mean, to my recollection, that one's no more com- uncommon than than some of these other ones that went for a lot less. So you just had some Han fans fighting over that one. Okay, yeah, I've never seen a huge demand for that one in particular, so I, I was just surprised by the price. Yeah, I was too. Um, Stormtrooper for 3300 for an AFA-90. That was, I guess... Compared to some of these other ones, that was a, a decent deal. Um, Jawa forty four hundred for an eighty. That again, those are not that uncommon. So um, there's just a, there's clearly a demand for these revenge proofs out there by folks other than normally who would be buying these. At least that's what. And it, it makes like. sense. I mean, they they display you know beautifully. There is uh, a noticeable difference. Um, in in the presentation and then in the logo as well too. So, you know, we we can we can understand why people would be interested in them. Um, the prices that they are spending for them though are for for established collectors or for people who have been you know in the hobby for a while and just and understand that area. Um, it, it, they do seem to be very high. Okay, and so now we're going to go to our final part, um, which is the the power of the force section and. Um, uh, I thought they kicked it off in a really nice way. Uh, lot 163 is a Power of the Force Lando Skiff unproduced hand-cut proof. Uh, it is a gorgeous piece. So whereas you know these other proofs are, are die-cut, um, this one is still, it looks like it's still part of a page. And, uh, you know, where it has a, a kind of a white, you know, background around it. And, um, and it's, uh, the grade was AFA 80 and it sold for $9,315. Um, so Matt, I'm not a proof collector. Um, I try to keep up with it. I, I love this piece, you know, especially the fact that, you know, the Lando skiff figure was never showed up on a power of the force card back, uh, you know, making it just a really interesting piece. I love the colors that they chose for it. Um, do you think $9,000 is a, is a fair value for this one? Yeah, I was shocked that this one did not go past the high end of the estimate. I, um, so, you know, if this were to if this piece were to come up on on Facebook, I think that's probably what it would, what it would go for uh, nine thousand, ten thousand, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. But in an auction setting, um, for an unproduced piece, the key character, uh, I I was shocked this didn't go higher. Yeah, we, we started talking about revenge proofs and um, you know how how they've caught on and 
here's a proof that's even better. Key character unproduced, um, and you know, it didn't even crack ten thousand with the buyer premium. So, um, I would much rather have, you know, that one Lando than two of those revenge proofs of any of the characters. Um, so, I, I looking at it that way, I think this was a really good buy for whoever got this. I think you're right about the price landing at around where it would uh, among collectors, right? In in a collector environment, something like one of the Facebook groups, or you know, um, uh, those those type of areas where where you know people are collectors are selling to one another. Um, I think at an auction setting, I was really expecting this to land somewhere between fourteen and sixteen thousand um, dollars. So I was a little shocked and surprised by it, but um, but still, I mean. It is it is a gorgeous piece, and if you uh, if you get it framed too and, and matted, I mean, you can do something really beautiful with it. Agreed. I hope. Uh, I think I know who got it, and if it was him, I'm I'm glad it ended up with him because um, he's got a really nice power of the force run going. I'll have to reach out to him see if that's him. Okay. Uh, California or Ohio? Uh, California. Okay. Yeah. Um, either one would have been nice. That, that's, that's cool. Um, lot 164. Uh, so now we're really getting into some of the Power of the Force carded figures. We're only going to go through about four of them, but um, uh, maybe a few more. But uh, I think these are important because I think some of these have trended really high over the past two years or so. And... Um, and so uh, I would say half of this group uh, performed really well, and then half of the group maybe did not perform as well as previous auctions. So this first one uh, is probably my favorite uh, Power of the Force figure. It's a uh, Luke Stormtrooper, carded, graded uh, in 85, and it sold for $3,141. Matt, what do you think of the, uh, the final price for that? Seemed on the lower end. I mean, considering where we've seen this piece in the past, and um, if you were to ask me, you know, a year ago, if I thought that price was high, I thought you'd be smoking. But now, I don't know, just seeing where they where we're coming off of, it seemed like it was on the lower side. And I think it is because we've seen a few um, on eBay sell in that in that three thousand, maybe thirty five hundred dollar range as well in March twenty twenty two. Uh, an AFA 85 sold for almost $3,800. So while this isn't a huge drop, I mean, you are talking about a, a difference of about $700, which to me makes a makes it worth mentioning because it is it has been one of those pieces that collectors have been really clamoring for, uh, all especially throughout the you know the last two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Um, and then we get to one that I thought did very, very, very well. Uh, probably broke a record for a Power of the Force Han Carbonite figure. So this mm. is the Lot 169 Power of the Force Han Carbonite graded at an 85. Um, we've had uh, a number of these sell over the last few auctions. And I'll just give you those first. So um, we had two U85s sell in um, in February and June of 2021. And the first one sold for two thousand, and the next one sold for about twenty eight hundred dollars. Uh, in November of twenty twenty one, an eighty five um, sold for eleven $1, hundred uh, without the U grade. 
And mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's kind of where they've been mm-hmm. um, maybe a little higher. March 2022 um, in 85Y, these were all yellow bubbles as well. But um, so in the last auction, it sold for $1,300. Uh, in May of 2022, so that was only about a month or so ago, uh, but two months ago, it, um, a CAS 85 plus sold for just over thousand dollars. This one at an 85, again with the yellow bubble. So, you know, similar to every single one of these sold for $3,257. Higher than the Luke Stormtrooper. Matt, you and I talked about this one as being one of those pieces that was on its way up, you know, that was overlooked for a long time. Um, a key character, you know, and maybe because of the way it's displayed and, and the bubble, I have no idea. But um, thirty-two fifty-seven. Yeah, no words, man. That's uh, higher than the Luke Stormtrooper. It's it's crazy that that uh, we've lived that long to see that uh, that <laughs> happen. But um, I mean, it makes sense. That was always an under appreciated underpriced figure out there in the market compared to the Luke stormtrooper. And, um, yeah, here they are neck and neck now. So it's, it's, it's good to see that one kind of make a comeback. Another one that, that, um, has really made a comeback as well. And and this was one that was, you know, really popular uh, throughout all of the, uh, the pandemic and, uh, and, and it has been for a while uh, is lots 172. It's the Power of the Force R2D2 with the pop up saber. Um, graded at 85. It's been very, very popular. I would say this one and the Luke Stormtrooper have been the hottest two figures over the past two years uh, for the Power of the Force line and, and really maybe for you know a lot of the, the Star Wars line itself. In November of 2021, a CAS 85 Plus sold for almost $2,400. Um, in the March auction that just happened a few months ago, uh, it was the exact same price, twenty three sixty. So mm. to me, and and that's a very high price. I mean, I, I remember when they were at fifteen hundred. Um, that was probably in the, maybe the summer of twenty twenty or so, and you know we thought that was pretty big, or maybe summer of last year. I can't remember. Um, and this one sold for three thousand one hundred fifteen dollars. Same grade, eighty five. Um, but you know, almost a thousand dollars more. I mm. see. As far as Power of the Force goes, the, those are the three big ones now. Were you I'm asking kinda, me? Yeah, Luke, um, Stormtrooper. Would... They're all three thousand you... now. Like, is there? I mean, obviously, besides like the Yak Face and and Anakin, there's one more. There's the Imperial Gunner, which is at lot 185. Um, in March, uh, I'm sorry, in September of 2020, a U85 sold for $1,400. In November of 2021, an AFA85 sold for $3,482. Uh, in in uh, in March of 2022, an AFA80 sold for $2,284 makes sense so it's you know it's not it's not the same grade as the 85 so maybe you know it's about a little more than a thousand dollars less but now and i I expected this one to be one of those um that we would see in every auction kind of selling at that same in the same range uh an afa 80 sold for 1298 dollars in this auction 
What are your thoughts on that? So we really had two that underperformed and two that that I would say outperformed. Um, the Luke Stormtrooper and the Imperial Gunner, those were really the two that seemed to appear in every auction and were very popular. Um, and they've taken a little bit of a dip, and now we're seeing the Han Carbonite and the, and the R2 with the pop-up saber really jump to that next level and, and crossing that, that $3,000 mark uh, pretty easily. What do you... Um... You know, fast forward to when we do the July recap for the Hakes auction. What do you think Power of the Force is going to do? Well, to be honest, I was not expecting this. I really thought, you know, because we had seen the Imperial Gunner continue its its um, its ascent, and the Luke Stormtrooper. I mean, the Luke Stormtrooper um, has been one of the top sellers, and uh, so I, I was surprised by that. Um, I think if if both of those prices dipped and the rest of Power of the Force stayed pretty flat, I, I think I would have said, okay, we're looking at a point now where maybe Power of the Force stuff has hit a peak, it's starting to dip. When you have other ones that are reaching this level and they're not, you know, they're not 90s, they're not um, uncirculated ones, right, which tend to command a, a, a higher value, um, I don't know. It, it's it's really unpredictable now because again I don't know if if the Han Carbonite and the R two pop up were one offs you know and then they're going to drop back to kind of their the prices that they've been at for a little while or if this is the new level for them and maybe in this one people who would have normally gone for a Luke Stormtrooper or um, an Imperial Gunner maybe weren't looking at this particular auction or maybe they were going for other pieces I don't know. Um, I think Power of the Force will always continue to to increase in value because it there are fewer of them out there. Um, for a lot of them, they are hard to find in really good condition. They're uh, very desirable and cool looking figures. Um, so you know, I and, and there's there's kind of a story with them at, as far as being at the end of the line and and um, you know and and being from the original trilogy films, which which I think makes it you know uh, more exciting. For a collector. So let me ask your opinion on something. So you had mentioned, you know, Power of the Forest had gone up and you were curious to see if it's going to level off and start coming down as people kind of, I guess, complete their collections. So this crazy, this pricing craziness over the last couple of years, is this all from new people entering the market or is this for people that, um, had completed their collections up to power of the force and are just now starting on that one. Or, um, I guess what's been the, the biggest impetus behind that particular line doing what it's been doing over the last couple of years. I've spoken with a number of collectors who hit that point where they said, okay, I have, you know, six power of the force figures and I'm looking for some of the other tough ones, or I, I got a lot of like, you know, the Ewoks and the easy stuff out of the way. And now I have to go for the, the higher dollar uh, value ones. But I don't think that's what's driving this. I think, I think the, this is coming from collectors who are coming in. Um, and, and I think you, you've seen this in, um, in other lines like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right. And, and a lot of other lines that we look at where those early figures are worth a lot and the ones at the very end that people weren't paying attention to are worth a lot. But I think 
to me, at these levels, you know, when you start seeing these figures start to command over $3,000 a piece, we've never seen that in our hobby before for Power of the Force. And so it, it leads me to believe that you're probably dealing with maybe less experienced collectors who have deep pockets and are able to, you know, to purchase these pieces or, or are able to go all in on these pieces um, and, and maybe driving up one another on the prices. But I just, Matt, what is, how do you feel about that? What's, what's your take on these? I mean, that's the key question to ask is what's driving this demand increase. If it's new people into the market, um, to me, that makes the most sense because you know, p- people that co- have been collecting this stuff for years and years and years are less apt to pay some of these huge spikes that we've seen in Power of the Force. And that usually tells me there's like new people entering the market. Right, because they weren't so, buying them at $1,000. Right. They don't all of a sudden want them three times as much as they <laughs> right. wanted them you know, last year. Sure. Um, so that I think it tells me there's a lot of new people coming in to the market, and they like the look of Power of the Force, and they like the coin. Uh, you know, for the, if you remember the '80s, if you wanted to do anything, you called it a collector, whatever, and you gave it a coin or a card or some kind of cheap throw-in. Um, you know, that wouldn't shock me if that spoke to kind of the person that's been collecting other things and now are getting into toys. Like they would start there just because, I don't know, the coin and collectability aspect there. So if it's starting to slow down, maybe there's fewer people coming into the market and maybe it's it, that's a function of the economy as a whole and the stock market over the last couple you know weeks, people don't have as much disposable income and are investing in more of a, a safe bet now, um, you know, given that inflation is where it's at and, um, you know, recession is, is like 50, 50. So there's a lot of uncertainty out there and maybe they're cutting back a little bit on some of the discretionary spending that they've uh, undertaken over the last couple of years. We've seen it, especially over the last two years. If you're looking at the stock market, and I think at times you can draw parallels with what's happening in our community um, as it's you know, as people have been basically playing it like a stock market. Um, when a stock is hot, people will chase it on the way up, right? And I think um, I think we've seen that with a number of these carded Power of the Force figures, um, you know, and and Luke Stormtrooper. Uh, the Imperial Gunner, for some reason. I mean, th- those two were really, for me, sort of the ones that I kept an eye on to to judge the temperature uh, of what was happening with these. Um, maybe the people that had wanted them got them. Uh, or again, maybe people are, are buying other things or they're just not buying right now, whatever it is. But um, we've, I think we're going to see something similar in the July auction. I think interest will be there. Um, we might see some that were previously hot dip a little bit. We may see others, uh, you know, that that were either flat or just slowly growing start to to uh, to skyrocket. I have no idea. Um, I think in that way, I think I think probably the power of the force area of our collecting hobby is probably the most exciting to watch because um, we're seeing prices that we've just never seen, and we're seeing 
you know, we've, we've seen momentum over the past few years, uh, that, that has driven that, you know, so it's, it's, it's not like this, you know, kind of one moment thing where it's happening this month and then it disappears, but, um, will it continue at this level? That's hard to say. And I think once these cross that, I mean, I can't believe we're saying this, but once they cross like a $3,000 mark, um, you know, do we really expect them to, to, to double or to even go up 50% from here? I mean, that would be, to me, that's, that's crazy. Um, all I can say is I'm glad I got, uh, all the heavy hitters out of the way for the power of the force back in like 2012, 2013, 2015. So. Yeah. If you got these before, uh, COVID you are living right. I remember I bought my Han Carbonite graded at an 85 and I think it was, I'll say like sometime in 2013 or 2014. And I got caught up in an auction and I severely overpaid. And I looked and I said, oh my gosh, I just spent $311 on, on, a, on a Han Carbonite. <laughs> you have chosen wisely. Chosen wisely. Uh, one more Power of the Force figure I think is worth mentioning is the, um, the Power of the Force Yak Face. So this was one that was graded at an 80, uh, very hard to get. I think it was only available in Canada, um, maybe in, in parts of available. Europe. Like, it wasn't available, uh, heavily desirable, um, very hard to find, very hard to find in good condition. And this one at an 80 sold for $19,145. There were two others that I found that had sold um, at Hakes, and that was September 2020, um, an 85 sold for $11,536. And in June of 2021, a 75 sold for $13,732. So Matt, this AFA 80 yak face at almost $20,000, do you think that that, was that a shock for you? Uh, Do you feel that that's the going value of it right now, or do you think this one underperformed for an 80 and it got 19,000. So it was right at the top of the range. Yeah. I mean, that, that surprises me a little bit, but again, if you're just getting into this, you're going to gravitate towards the, again, that kind of the, the yellow portion, of the showroom and yak face is one that, someone that's just getting into it at a very cursory level can point to and say, okay, this is one of the traditional Holy grails. Like I get it. I understand it. So I get why that one's towards the higher end, but if it's just like collectors talking about it, I think that that's, you know, that's definitely on the higher side than than what we've seen. Especially for an 80. Yeah. Mm Hmm. Um, okay. And then uh, just to wrap everything up, the, the only one that, um, the, the last one that I want to bring up here is, um, it's from the droids line and it is a Monjolpa figure, an unproduced Monjolpa figure, uh, as a first shot prototype and it's a sales sample. So it was, it was on a carded, um, it was on a, it came on a card back, uh, as a sales sample. Um, it was, it was cased by AFA, but they gave it an NG grade, which means no grade. Um, and, uh, and it sold for $15,835. Um, this one originally sold at Hakes in September of 2020. 
and it sold for $16,225. Almost two years later, uh, this one sold for a few hundred dollars less than it originally did in, in September of 2020. Uh, the listing here says it's AFA graded and encapsulated Star Wars Ewoks uh, Shaman uh, blister card contains a uh, four and a half inch tall first shot sales sample of Mon Jolpa, a figure that was ultimately not produced for Kenner's 1985 Star Wars droids toy line. Figure comes with Barada Skiff Sentry collector's coin in yellow blister, which obviously has cracking to the top of the blister with majority of it gone. The card remains unpunched but shows some scattered wear, AFA graded, NG, or no grade. And uh, Monjolpa has special insert in blister and features an alternate purple paint scheme, comes with collectible investment brokerage, uh, certificate of authenticity with notations, verified original and from a Kenner source, one-of-a-kind sales sample. Mm. Well, it seems to be where the market is. I mean, it's a pretty steady price to hold over the over two years um so i'm guessing whoever finished second place uh last time <laughs> was the happy winner of it this time sure we've seen that a few times yeah yeah but um uh yeah I, if this piece were to sell in the groups i think that's about where it would sell it um it's cool to see a piece like this pop up like this this is where i wish that like the people with the, the, that knew what the, like the, that had the money that are buying all these crazy things like the bop bags knew what this was. Um, well, I can explain what this is. This is, this is two Chewbacca bop bags. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I know that that's like <laughs> huge for a lot of people. Uh, but if you're going to be spending this amount of money, you're going to want something that not everybody has. And I don't know how many people have power of the force yak face. It's a lot. Um, but here, same price, you can get a one of one, I think, right. I don't think another one exists. No. And that's what it says. One of a kind sales sample. Yeah. The only thing I would say to that though, Matt, and, and I, you know, we, we've seen this a lot of times. If a, if a bidder, or a collector has a chance to get either the Yak Face graded at an AFA 80 or this Droids Monjolpa first shot sales sample. I think nine out of ten are gonna go for the the Yak Face. And maybe it's not that, but a majority of them will probably go for a Yak Face, especially if you know they're coming more from that generalized base of, of collectors. Because the Yak Face is a it's a signifier, right? It's something that most people know. Um, whereas I, I doubt very few people know who Manjolpa is, um, you know, or even maybe focus on the droids line. Um, you know, an original trilogy character versus a, a cartoon character. I agree with you. I think the Manjolpa is much more interesting, but I'm just saying, I, I think you know, when you start getting into that kind of money and that, that level of, of item, I, I wonder, I really think more people would go for the act phase. Yeah. I mean, it's just totally comes back to if you're new in this and you're throwing some new money around, like you're going to go get the established grails, right? Like just, that's the way my mind would work. So, um, I'm hoping these guys stick around and, and start buying some interesting stuff. Cause um, 
yeah, I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't like to see the same five or six pieces change hands. And that's what's, you know, the, the buzz and the hobby is what these five or six items that are appearing in, in almost every auction, like here's the latest record of that item. But it's items like this that are, you're only going to see here, you know, one of a kind kind of deals change hands. I, I, I just wish that those people that have all the money would appreciate, like would be an actual collector rather than an investor. I guess that's what it boils down to. Yeah. And I, I think um, for people who, who start with this, you know, and, and some people start very big, right. And they go for, you know, we've had people go right from zero to the rocket fed uh, and then, you know, and everything in between. Um, but I think for people who start collecting, no matter how they start, the more that they get into it and the more that they educate themselves and, and start to learn about this stuff and start talking to other collectors, uh, I think a lot of that is infectious. You know, that excitement, um, the, uh, you know, the stories behind the stuff, um, how meaningful, you know, a lot of these pieces are. And so I, I think over time, you know, we've had people come in and collecting really within the last two years, you know, the, the pandemic brought out a lot of new collectors, um, you know, into our community. And so I think, I think we're going to start to see a lot of them now figure out who they are in the world of collecting and what, where their interest is and and how deep they want to go. Um, and so, yeah, to, to echo your point, I hope a lot of these newer collectors and people who are, you know, even kind of coming into it, you know, brand new and are less knowledgeable that they, they'd be willing to, to dive in and just to at least learn about this stuff. Uh, and, and I think there is an interest there because I think a lot of it is pretty exciting. Yep. Okay. hundred percent. Well, Matt, we went from cover to cover and, uh, we, we took a, what I, what I think was a, a fun and, and nice look back at the, uh, the June auction. Um, we are now getting ready to take a look at the upcoming July auction as well, too. The, uh, the catalog will be available uh, very shortly. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but I'm very curious to see what's in there because uh, Hakes has teased a few items so far. And some of them are, are familiar ones. Um, you know, we've seen the Vinyl Cape Jawa, the, the Rocket Firing Boba Fett, um, and and they seem to be at higher grades than we've seen as well too recently. So um, I think it's going to be an interesting one. Looking forward to it. I'm curious to see what pops up and what the uh, this auction's Chewy Bop bag is going to be. There's always <laughs> one out there. I don't know if but, we're going to have anything come close to that though. But before we go, I have to ask you an important question. Sure. I want you to put a lot of thought into this. Who do you like better and why? Captain Panaka or Captain Typho? Oh, that's interesting. Okay. I'm probably going to get this wrong because I'm not as well versed in the prequels. Uh, I kind of start with the Clone Wars, but I think Captain Panaka defected to the Empire. I think he started working with the Empire, and I, I thought Captain Typho might have died in battle, so I would like Captain Typho more because he's a good guy and he, uh, he died defending somebody. 
SDQ noted prequel expert. There it is. Good answer. And they call me the the Yariel Poof of uh, of prequel collecting. Are you going to get a Yariel Proof card? (laughs) And that's how we're going to (laughs) end. Matt, as always, I love you and I thank you so much for your friendship. I'm so glad we get to do this as always. Um, It's the last say the last two months have been kind of crazy and uh it's it's just been it's been nice you know getting to to chat with you and uh to go through you know uh, the silly distractions of looking at a uh something like a hakes auction and, and immersing ourselves in in that world of, of the collectibles we love and then you know what appears what sells for what and uh as you said what the next chewbacca bot bag will be well thank you for having me on and i I know you've had a, a bear of the last couple months and if if you're a spiritual person or a religious person out there and and uh you can spend a few seconds to drop David some uh prayers and, and good feelings, good vibes, please do so because um what he's gone through in the last couple months, uh no one should have to go through, uh, especially at the same time. So uh been thinking about you and and uh hopefully it all gets better soon for you, man. I think we're on the the other side of the tunnel now, so it, it's good. It's just uh, you know, it's been uh, it's been just taking care of uh, a bunch of different family members, going through some stuff, and uh, yeah, uh, it's looking better. But um, but Matt, it's it's just literally just always a blessing, uh, you know, having having these moments and these these you know times together, and then we're gonna be uh, seeing one another at the annual too in in August. Cannot wait. <laughs> I've, I've uh, prepped my wife. She's getting to meet a bunch of uh, the collector folks for the first time. So I've already given her ample warning. She knows um, the backstory of almost everybody. Whether or not she can recall <laughs> it at a moment's notice is uh, up for debate. But um, definitely looking forward to uh, two worlds colliding for the first time. The uh, the New York Club and my wife get to getting to meet. So definitely looking forward to it. I think I'm going to ask everyone to make um, bulleted, uh, full like eight and a half by eleven page note cards that they can stick to their shirt that will say their name and then like their their backstory. So when your wife meets all of us, uh, she will at least have you know some idea of who we are, and and it's it's less on her then. Well, she knows every one of y'all, so um, <laughs> at some point, I'm sure she's heard me talk about everybody. <laughs> Well, great. Well, cool. All right. So we have that to look forward to. And as we've discussed, uh, we're going to, you know, take a, a deep dive into, uh, the, the July Hakes auction. I, I think that is going to be number 235, if I have that correct. And, um, there should be some fun pieces. Um, Matt, what do you say? Do you think it's, uh, do you think there'll be more than 300 pieces this time or fewer than 300 Star Wars pieces? I think there will be fewer. Okay. But I'm basing that on the fact they added this whole June auction. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, my friend, as always, uh, it is a blessing and a pleasure chatting with you. I look forward to our next one. Likewise. And uh, hook them horns. <laughs> Stay tuned for more on Star Wars prototypes and production.